What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Nothing But Sports podcast. I am back. It has been a long time, almost two full weeks, but I'm back on the episodes. This is episode number 40 of the podcast. We have hit 40 episodes. Did not think I'd hit this many, but um, hey, here we are. So we got five things to talk about today on on the episode. We're going to talk. We're going to first start, talk with soccer the or football the uh, euros going on we're going to talk about portugal and belgium which just literally finished up about 15 minutes ago we're going to talk about wimbledon again another tennis thing third major of the year give a little preview for that we're going to talk about aaron rodgers potentially opting out of the upcoming nfl season and of course final two things nba eastern Conf- conference final action and the yankees after getting and the yankees of course so let's start with the euros so for those who don't know uh, France, I mean, not France, Belgium have knocked out Portugal 1-0 in the round of 16. Uh, Ronaldo, with Portugal and Ronaldo 1-0 thanks to Togan Hazard with an unbelievable goal in the 42nd minute. And now Portugal's chances of repeating as European champions are are done. And just my general thoughts on the game, I mean, Portugal, Portugal had a lot more chances, but didn't really create anything super like really threatening besides the 83rd minute when when Guerrero hit the post off the volley that was really the only super convincing chance they had Ronaldo had a pretty good free kick but besides that free kick from Ronaldo he was pretty much non not non-existent but didn't have a huge impact on the game per se much he didn't really it's hard for one man to carry a carry a whole team especially now with his age he needs some help around him uh, Jao Felix got a couple opportunities, but just never really anything super convincing. Like I said, 23 shots, only six on target, while Belgium had one shot on target. It was the one goal, and they didn't have, and they had six shots in total. But um, as far as Belgium goes, I mean, I wasn't surprised by the result because Bel- Belgium was rated the number one team coming into this. Portugal was number five, but Belgium, if you're it's it's a little con- Belgium, you might have to be a little concerned because you they almost gave the game up. At the end, and going forward now, they play Italy, who didn't look super convincing for the full 90 minutes against Austria, then an extra time turned it on, but still didn't look super convincing either. So, but Belgium's got to be worried because they're not going out and smashing teams. I mean, and also, you don't know the health of Eden Hazard as well. He wasn't, I don't think, is 100% fit. He wasn't 100% fit for the match day. KDB, Kevin De Bruyne, is now injured again because of a challenge from Paulinho where he went straight through the back of him. I think that could have been a red card and should have been a red card, but only gave him a yellow. But yeah, Italy's going to be really confident going into the game on Friday. They do have the extra day of rest as well. So um, I think the game is Friday, so I don't know where. So it's going to be interesting. It's really going to be interesting. Belgium can easily be upset in that game. Italy is supposed to be the young dark horses after not qualifying for the World Cup. have got a good new team, new young team. It's very unlike Italy, normal Italy, where Italy it's usually you know facilitate, you know stay back at the. While well, this one, well, this is more, uh, this is more just you know straight up attack and straight up scoring. So we're gonna. It's really interesting. I'm really excited for that quarterfinal game. But yeah, and also, is this the last European Championship we see from Ronaldo now that he's up there in age? He's getting up there in age. Um, he's still unbelievably fit, but he is now 36 years old. So he'll be 40 by the next European Championship. And, the, and so we'll see him at the World Cup, obviously, next year. But I don't think you'll like Portugal's chances at winning the entire World Cup next year. Uh, you still go France as well. But yeah, it's, um, it was a 
good game, very interesting game, intriguing game, but again, Portugal really just didn't have anything much too convincing and again had more opportunities to score but just could really never never get it. It was a very sloppy game, especially in the first half, but full credit to um to Belgium. That Torgan Hazard goal was unbelievable in the 42nd minute from outside the box. Beautiful cut on the ball, swerved, completely swerved and just knuckled and swerved away from Rui Patricio. Well, we saw him do at uh, Dortmund, a very creative player. Um, very, very good goal. And yeah, Belgium's going through now. So I just wanted to touch on that. And Portugal will not join Spain. Spain is the only team to repeat as European champions. Portugal's not going to do that. It's the first time they've ever been knocked out of the Euros before the quarterfinals. But again, I kind of expected it, be it just because Belgium is a better team. But a good game nevertheless. All right, so now we're going to move into the Wimbledon preview. So Wimbledon... Third major of the year hits London on grass, and it starts tomorrow. Yep, it starts tomorrow. Um, so Australian Roland Garros have both went to Novak Djokovic, and I expect more of the same. I believe Wimbledon goes to Novak as well. As a Federer fan, I like Roger Federer's draw. Um, avoids Novak until the final, and but both guys have really easy draws. Um, compared, I mean, this the field is the field of play is. I mean, the you know the the opponents out there are shortened this year, just because of how many people pulled out. Um, no, no Nadal, obviously no Dominic Thiem as well. So two of the top five players in the world have pulled out of the tournament. So yeah, obviously draws are going to be a little easier, but I wasn't expecting him to be as easy as this. I expected him to be in Novak's part. Of the drop, thankfully he is not. So we're gonna see if he gets to the final. Obviously, we'll see if there's a rematch of the final. And the last time Wimbledon was played two years ago, obviously Wimbledon was canceled last year because of COVID. But yeah, I mean, I I see the biggest test in the semifinals. I don't really buy Medvedev in the quarters because I don't know if Medvedev will make it that far. I know he's just won a title, but still, um, semifinals either Zverev or Berrettini. I think that'll be his biggest test before the final. Um, Berrettini, especially with how hot he is, he just won that title in Queens Club. So it's 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 um it's going to be tough to beat one of him. Obviously, avoided playing him at Roland Garros because he pulled out. But um, yeah, it's still going to be tough regardless because I, he's never beaten Novak. Never beaten Novak in a major final. And as far as Novak goes, his part of the draw is even easier. I'm trying to I'm trying to find. Trying to remember what their projected paths are to the final, but I believe Novak doesn't. Neither Novak doesn't. Neither of them have top ten opponents till the quarterfinals. I know Novak has got Kevin Anderson in the second round, but this is not. Uh, this is not. Um, this is not. You know, prime Kevin Anderson. This is Kevin Anderson off the back of a bunch of injuries. So we'll see if he can treat, maybe take a set off Novak. But right now, Novak Djokovic is the man to beat. At Wimbledon, and it's really not even close. He should be he should be the overwhelming favorite to win this tournament. But hopefully, Roger, we all know because he's brilliant on grass, was really disappointing in Halle with the loss to FAA Felix Ogier Aliasin. But we will we will see. There's uh, we'll see also what Stefano Sitsipas does. He's got he's he'll get Novak in the semi he'll get Novak in the semifinal if he makes it that far. Sitsipas was not very successful the last time he played at Wimbledon. I think he got bounced first round. So we'll see. How he's evolved. He said he's try, excited to try and stop Novak, but we'll see. Because to be, complete, to be completely honest, I don't know who's going to stop him. I mean, really, it's a, it's a, 
it's a tough task with the way he's playing right now. Because after he won Rolling Garros, I said there's a very good chance he's probably favorited to win all four majors in one year. No one has done that besides besides Laver, who did it twice. It's it would be an, an unbelievable accomplishment. He'd also tie the record. We have a three-way tie for 20 majors between the big three. Whew. Ugh. It's to me to me this tournament's all Novak, and even if Roger does get to the final, it, it I, I'd say it's either a straight set or four set win. I think Roger's best chance was two years ago. That that the, that Wimbledon final still hurts me to this day, and it probably st- will hurt forever. But Federer's got what he's wanted. He's, he's avoided Novak. He's got a relatively easy draw, com- especially compared to his Rolling Garros one. But yeah, so that that's the men's preview. I think Novak is the overwhelming favorite. But the women's side, it's almost impossible to predict because there's basically what I love about the women's game. There's basically a new winner every year. Um. This is another very good chance for Serena Williams. Serena, I, I felt like re- Serena really blew her shot at Roland Garros at the French Open when she lost in the fourth round because she wouldn't have had to play. Really, she would have. She she had an easy road to the. Not, I want to say easy road, but she had an unbelievable road to the final because she she avoid somehow got to avoid Bardi, Osaka, Sabalenka, Kenin. Sakari, because they were in the same group, uh, Shfiante. She was able to avoid all of them up until the final, and none of them got there. So I really, she really had a big opportunity, and she really squandered that at Rolling Garros. She didn't look convincing for the entire tournament, but man, I don't know. Can she do it? Yes, she can, because of that serve. That serve is unbelievable, maybe the biggest weapon. She's again got a good draw. No Osaka in the tournament. Obviously, Osaka pulled out. Uh, Halep is still not, uh, Halep pulled out obviously still not because of the calf injury. We don't know what the status with Ash Vardy is. She is playing, but there's a very good chance she can pull out with injury or is not 100% with that injury. Serena wouldn't get her to the semifinal. Sabalenka is not an established player on grass yet. Uh, she was actually upset by Madison Keys. Madison Keys, I'm hoping, can do something, but not really hopeful. Sophia Kennan's still trying to find her game after the appendix surgery. Uh, Azarenka's still a dangerous floater, but I mean... It, it's really, it's really, it's, this is one of Serena. If Serena does not win this, I don't know. It would be a real disappointment considering the draw she has had, especially also considering she did not win the French Open. She really had a good chance. I mean, she'll probably play the U.S. Open, but assuming everyone's back healthy, it'll be extremely tough for her. Um... Yeah, it's it's her best chance. It's I said Rolling Garros was her best chance, but this one is maybe even better. Because uh, yeah, I mean besides Barty, she'll get Ash Barty in the semifinals. But besides then, that's that's really that's really all we see all we see happening. Uh, first round, yeah. See, third round actually with Kerber that could be interesting. But again, we don't even know if Kerber will get that far. So let's see. So Kerber in the third round. Fourth round would be Belina Bencic. So not 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 horrible. Quarterfinal, Elena Svitolina. We don't know if Svitolina is even going to get there. She's struggled on grass, just hasn't been able to break through. Semifinal would be Barty. Final would be Sabalenka. But I don't think Sabalenka will get to the final. So realistically, the toughest task, because I, can, I, I mean, I, her second week is actually a lot more difficult now that I'm looking at it because Bencic is very dangerous but inconsistent. Uh, Svitolina... Svitolina, I don't know. I feel like Serena, just on grass, has the capability to overpower all these people because Svitolina really grinds from the baseline, but I feel like Serena can just overpower her with the serve as well. 
But So Serena's got a very good shot. And considering how many times there's been so many upsets, we don't know. Stidolita was also upset at Roland Garros. Uh, Benchich, yeah, she's come back and won a title. But again, don't know. Don't know. As Barty, we don't know the health on in Sabalenka. I wouldn't even uh, count on getting to the getting to the final. Um, yeah. And as far as, so that's that. And as far as Andy Murray's chances, I mean, I really don't see him getting much anywhere. I mean, he'll be lucky to get out of the first round versus Bashvaldi because Bashvili, excuse me, Bashvili's unbelievable when he's on. He cracks the ball almost harder than anyone. So we'll see. But yeah, men's Djokovic, women's, women's, I'd say, women's, I can't even pick, but I'd say Serena just for now. But uh, yeah, the biggest threats to Djokovic would probably maybe be Berrettini at this point. So yeah, that's my Wimbledon preview, and I think Berrettini's got a good shot at winning the title, but but if not Novak. Anyway, so now let's move to the third topic, Aaron Rodgers. It's been a while since we've discussed Aaron Rodgers. I've discussed Aaron Rodgers in the podcast just because I've gotten sick of this topic because he's it's been this overlying, just you know, constant battle between him and the organization. We haven't heard much. We don't know what's going on. One time... People are saying, oh, the relationship's fractured. No way. Then all of a sudden, oh, he can come back. He can do this. Who the hell knows what's going on? But there was a. Re- but Aaron Rodgers is is strongly considering opting out of the season. He has to do it by July 2nd. So in a couple, in about a week or a little over a week or so, he has to, or a little under a week, excuse me, he has to try and, he has to, uh, he can opt out. We'll see. Will he do it? There's a very good chance he will. Because if he does that, he avoids all the punishment. He does. He avoids all the fines, you know, and all that stuff. And he sticks it to the Packers because I don't know why. I mean, it's actually I do know why, but it, you know, he it's clear he doesn't want to play for Green Bay. And I've said this numerous times in that I understand where he's coming from, but a part of me is also very pissed off at Aaron Rodgers just because I feel like Aaron Rodgers is not taking any blame for why the Packers have not gotten to where they want to be. Yes, could he have done with a hunt with a lot more wide receivers? Of course. Yes, could he have done with the Packers not drafting Jordan Love last year? Of course he could have done with that. But they also did, the, and yeah, they did the same thing with Brett Favre, but again, Brett Favre had retired twice before that. So I understand all of that pain. But last year's NFC, but last year's NFC championship game, I feel like Aaron Rodgers is is going about it like he did nothing wrong. That's what really pisses me off. I hate it when players don't take accountability for their actions. Just like when Paul George said, oh, it was all Doc Rivers' fault that we lost. No, it was your fault. You shot. It was part of your fault. You hit the side of the backboard. You shot two for 16. But um, I feel like Aaron Rodgers is is just avoiding the fact that, you know, he's trying to completely say, it's all your fault that we didn't make it to the Super Bowl. None of it's my fault. When realistically, if you look at that game... Aaron Rodgers had so many opportunities. I've tell I've said this time and time again. Tom Brady threw three straight interceptions. It wasn't the defense's fault. Yes, they got burned because of Kevin King, but in the fourth quarter, the defense buckled down. It, it, it the defense really buckled down. They got three interceptions on Tom Brady. They got three interceptions. You, you they picked off the goat three times in a row. I might add, actually, yeah, in a row they picked they picked they picked off Tom Brady three times, and Aaron Rodgers. Did absolutely nothing with the turnovers. I'm pretty sure he went three and out on all of them. Some are going to blame the offensive line. Yeah, they weren't great, but still. And then also, let's not keep in mind he should have run the if he didn't if he he tried to force one into Devontae on second and goal when he could have run for the touchdown and if not gotten close on third and goal. And if it was fourth and goal from the one, Lafleur would have had to go for it instead of kicking the field goal. And then in his press game, 
he's he completely didn't he didn't take any accountability. He's like, well, you know, if um, you know, if I knew we weren't gonna go for it on fourth down, I would have done something different. What do you what do you mean? It third and goal from the what? Third and goal from the one compared to third and goal from the eight? What do you, what do you mean? That's just a, that's just an excuse. Of course, you'd rather take those seven yards and set up third and goal from the one because you've got you can either throw the slant to Devontae, you've got Robert Tunyon, an end zone machine, or you can just run the football. So I don't know what that excuse is, but we're gonna see. I'm starting to get really annoyed with this situation just because Aaron because we don't know much. I mean, all we know is that he is very possible for opting out, and if he opts out. Then Green Bay, then that's going to prove that you know he is really stuck in that he doesn't want to play with the Packers. If he doesn't opt out, then the Green, then the organization, you know, there's a lot of hope. Like, oh, okay, maybe we can salvage this. Maybe we can win this battle. But if he opts out, that's a real sign that he ain't that he ain't changing his position, and that they're probably going to have to trade him. And then the Jordan Love era starts. And Jordan Love, from you know what we've all heard, is clearly not ready to go. He's clearly not NFL ready. But the Green Bay Packers are going to have to live with that because. They drafted him. They were ready to move on from Rodgers. They drafted him. That's where, that's where I'm with Rodgers there because they couldn't have, they shouldn't have drafted him. And at least should have told them. But I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, will it, would it have changed much? He probably still would have been angry. But so we're gonna see. Um, I mean, again, if he if he wants to get traded, then then so be it. Personally, there's in my opinion, there's really no better spot for him besides Green Bay. I mean, I'm just trying to go through all the head options. Yes, San Francisco. But realistically, Green Bay is one of the best, besides Tampa Bay and Kansas City, Green Bay is probably one of the better situations to go to to win a Super Bowl. Like, let's let's be honest, the Raiders are not going to, he won't win if he goes to the Raiders. May, 49ers may make a good playoff run, but there's no guarantee that that defense is going to be 100% after all the injuries. And again, they're still pretty short in the wide receiver core position. So, no guarantees. They're also in a really tough division with Seattle. Same thing with the Raiders. Uh, there's really no guarantee that you know Green Bay gives you the best chance to win a Super Bowl. So maybe he maybe he sucks it up and stays. Or but again, if he opts out, it's a real show that Green Bay's got to move and trade him. And we'll see what they ask for. They're probably going to ask for a hefty price, something in three or four first round picks for an Aaron Rodgers, considering they got I think the um, the Rams got two for Stafford. So we'll see. Um, but yeah. Uh, we'll see. This has been a long, 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 long story. And we'll see if it ever comes to an end. We'll see. We'll see what happens. All right, let's move on to the NBA now. So the conference finals are underway. I didn't pretty much, I haven't seen any of them yet because I've been away. And then the one I got back a couple days ago and I checked the score in Milwaukee was leading by 30 points. I actually scratched it. I saw the Suns game last night. Um... But yeah, so the Phoenix Suns lead 3-1 in their Easter in the Western Conference Finals, and boy, did they scrape through last night. Um, they got real lucky. A lot of people have been blaming the refs, you know, and the refs were, were and, and were the refs good? No, but the, are the refs ever good? Actually, no, I don't think the refs are ever good. But um, people are gonna people are gonna blame the refs for for the loss. But let's be honest, Clippers. Clipper, you, you, you can't blame the refs in that situation. I understand why people are saying it, because they might have missed that travel on CP3, okay? You know, Cameron, you know, when Batum stripped the ball, yes, it did go off uh, Payne's hand, and they should have reviewed that in under two minutes, and they made a, missed an and one on Terrence Mann, all in the final. Yeah, but, like, let's be honest here. You can't, if you're a Clipper, you can't be blaming the refs, because... 
There was a stretch in the game where you were down by one for at least four or five minutes, and you were getting stops, and you had open looks to go up by one and take the lead or at least tie the game. For essentially the entire six minutes, for the entire last basically eight minutes of the game, and you couldn't do it. So I don't want to hear people blaming the refs for the loss because the Clippers had every single opportunity to knock down the Phoenix Suns in this game. They had come back from 14. All the momentum was on their side. They had every single goddamn opportunity to do it, and they couldn't do it. Paul George missed late free throws. Boogie Cousins didn't know the rules. They had every opportunity to. And credit to and Phoenix escapes because Devin Booker fouled that as well. There was no three-pointers. Pretty much nothing was falling. But the Phoenix Suns got the job done up 3-1. And it's going to be tough for the Clippers to reset for the main reason that they had so many chances. They really did. They easily could have won that game. They easily could have won that game. And they honestly, they should have down the stretch because it looked like the Phoenix Suns were going to, the wheels were starting to come off the Suns. But they kept them on. So now they're up 3-1. Game 5 is on Monday night. And I think Phoenix closes it out in Game 5. People are saying that, you know, all of a sudden Chris Paul is selling and he's not good. But like, again, Chris Paul, Chris Paul did test positive for COVID. So he is just coming back. So he is just getting his legs under him again. So he's not going to be unbelievable right now. That's why Game 5 is a real big one for the Suns. A lot bigger than people think. Because if they win it, they get that rest. They get that extra day of rest. They give CP3 and those guys, CP3 especially, the time to rest up the legs. Because he's got uh, to play unbelievable if they want to win the NBA championship. Where they're most likely going to have to face the Milwaukee Bucks. If they face the Hawks... Then, then it's a different story. But they'll most likely have to face, have to face Milwaukee. So that's um, that's it. Uh, I, I I think I'll go with Phoenix to win Game Five. Um, and it, it's just real tough for the Clippers because this series could have been so much different if they had Kawhi Leonard. I mean, you would realistically think that if they had Kawhi Leonard, they pretty much could be up three one because they did. I think even if Kawhi, they probably could have let. We'll give Game One of the Suns as well. I don't think I really think they that the you know the Clippers would have won Game Two if you know obviously with the with the eight and the eight the finish to that was unbelievable. But I really think the Clippers would have won Game Two with Kawhi, and I really think they would have won this one as well with Kawhi. But it, it's just it's just how it goes. Every team has suffered injuries, and it's unfortunate, but it, it it's how it's been this season. Every single team: Joel Embiid for the Sixers, LeBron, AD. For the Lakers, Donovan Mitchell was bum was playing with a bum ankle against the against the Clippers as well in in his series. So and then obviously now Kawhi, with it, it's just a part of the game. Injuries have been at an all time high. Luka Doncic as well in Game Four against the against the Clippers. So the Clippers actually have had their fair share of luck as far as the teams they have played in injuries because because. And Mike Conley as well. If you think about it, they didn't clip. Uh, Jazz didn't get Mike Conley back till I think game five or game six. No, game six. And he wasn't. He wasn't. He just didn't look. He just looked out of it because he had missed so much time. So Clippers fans, yeah, you lost Kawhi, but you've also had your fair share of luck as far as the injuries that teams have had to go through that you have played. So yeah, I got Phoenix closing it out in game five. And, yeah, I, I really am pulling for the Suns because I want Chris Paul to get that ring. He, this would cement his place. The one knock on Chris Paul is that he does not have a championship. If he were to get one in his first year with Phoenix after being traded, and after many people thought he was washed up, he went to Oklahoma City, proved himself how good he was, but we're like, he's got to get out of there because he's not going to win a championship in OKC. 
goes to Phoenix and pairs with Devin Booker after they went 8-0 against the Phoenix again in the in the bubble. Pair it with the DeAndre Ayton, who's playing unbelievable, and his leadership, and now you've got a chance at winning a championship. This would cement Chris Paul's career. This would be unbelievable if Chris Paul were finally get, able to get a championship because he has had the worst luck of any player. Remember, Game 6 pulled the hammy in Game 5 of that West Finals and then up 3-2. Uh, on the his Rockets were up three two with with Harden as well, and they couldn't close the deal on the on the Warriors with KD. So it's uh, it and it and with the the path that it's is you know they were down two one eighty gets hurt they get through they have to they play the Nuggets without Jamal Murray they sweep them. Brooklyn doesn't get out of the Eastern Conference neither does Philly. It's shaping up for maybe the perfect run for Chris Paul. This is his best shot. This is the best shot he's going to get maybe ever. This is maybe his one last chance to get a championship. This is it, and, he, and I think Phoenix knows that this is their best chance to get a championship. Even the Bucks as well. So now, speaking of the Bucks, let's talk about that series. <clears throat> so after Atlanta kind of shocked everyone in one game, well, I don't even know shocked anymore because they've been playing so well this postseason, but they were able to steal game one from the uh, from the Bucks on the road, and they and before getting blown out in game two, absolutely blown out. Trey Young had forty eight in game one. Uh, he was six for sixteen. Well, for I think only had like seventeen points in game two. But when you get blown out by thirty six, then it's got to go on the whole team as well. Uh, they defended him pretty well. We're gonna see what adjustments he's make. But Atlanta's been very good at rebounding. They've they've been very good this postseason after losing games, following up with following up with wins in the Knicks series. They lost game two when the, realistically they could have won that game. They rebounded by winning three straight blowouts. Um. In Philadelphia, they were down 2-1 to one and down by 20. They were down two games to one after winning game one, and they were down by 20. Completely reset mid in that game, rebounded one game four, then came back in game five. Lost game six where they actually could have, they also could have won that game six and, and, and closed it at home. They did a good job rebounding and winning game seven. That's what they've done so well. So we're going to see. I think it'll be a lot closer of a game. I'm really excited because this being the first playoff game I'm going to watch in a while. Um, I am going to go with the Milwaukee Bucks, though. <clears throat> Giannis really should be feasting. There's no way Clint Capella or John Collins should be containing Giannis. Giannis should be going crazy. Um, I mean, it was balanced scoring last it was last time out. He had 25, Middleton had 22, Drew Holiday had 21, Brooke Lopez had 17. It was balanced scoring. Every every starter besides P.J. Tucker had 15, 15 or more points. It was balanced, and that's what you're going to need. So... I'm going to go with the Milwaukee Bucks, but I'm not counting out the Atlanta Hawks in this series. I do think the Bucks are going to win this series, but I, th- I think it goes set- It goes six or seven. I don't think the Bucks will win it in five. I think Atlanta can get one or two more. And yeah, I, I really do. I mean, you got to give credit to the Hawks. First, I think first team since, what, 1978 to make a conference final without an all-star, which is the true definition of an underdog. And you look at their team now. And you realize how talented they are and how they're only only—they're really young. Trey Young's leading the way. John Collins has played unbelievable. Got the good center in Clint Capella. Cam Reddish, people don't, don't forget about him. He is back now. He's going to be a threat as well next season. Uh, Kevin Herter has been playing. Extre- Kevin Herter has been playing extremely well. Uh, Boy, uh, Boyan Bog- no, uh, Bogdanovich, he's the shooter. Danilo Gallinari is a great presence off the bench. So... This team is really. This team is going to be very good and very and going to be a very dangerous team that no one's going to want to see for years to come in the Eastern Conference, just because how hot they can get from three. Because 
I mean, Danilo Gallinari, Bogdanovich, and Kevin Herter, and they can really heat up from three as well with Trey Young because Trey Young can pull it from Steph Curry range and couple with those three who can really heat it up. Dangerous team to face. Knicks learned that the hard way. They were in every game at halftime, and the Hawks would just pull away with an absolutely unbelievable run with a barrage of three-pointers. Knicks learned that the hard way. <laughs> so um, we're going to see. I-, I can't wait for it. I'm going to go with the Bucks to win the series, and then my NBA Finals is going to be Bucks versus Suns. Uh, I have—I don't know who would win that. I have to really think about it, but we'll—we'll we'll see. We'll see. We'll see when we get there. Maybe for all you know, it could be—it could be a uh, Clippers versus um, Clippers versus uh, versus Hawks. Well, who knows? It would be wacky if that were the NBA Finals. But yeah, all right. So that's the—that's the, that's the um, NBA talk for today. We're going to move into the final topic of the day, and. It is the New York Yankees. They're making a recurrence every week on the podcast, which is not a good sign, which means they're doing something wrong, and they have done it again. Last time I was on the podcast, I came out and said, don't be surprised. Last, actually, like three weeks I've been talking about the Yankees. I've said it. Don't be surprised if they do not make the playoffs. And I've been saying that, and people have been like, whoa, Rahil, calm down. It's only the middle of June. It's early June. And yes, it is. But now it's the end of June. They're saying we still got July and August and basically all of September. I'm like, yes, we do. We have it. We're about to hit the all-star break. But give me one reason why I should be positive about this Yankees team. Give me, give me one reason. Oh, wait. There is literally no reason to be positive about this Yankee team. Okay? All right? The pitching... I mean, Garrett Cole was not great today. They lost 9-2. Cole, five innings, five runs. It happens. Fenway is a really tough place to pitch. Okay? W- w- now, back to my point. The pitching for the Yankees so far this year has been very good. Surprisingly good. <clears throat> it's going to start waning. It has started to wane in the last couple games. Okay? Tyone pitched well against the Royals, but since that Royals and Blue Jays, the, the pitching is starting to wane. Okay, and I've said this a while. The Yankees, I don't think, can keep up this consistent level of pitching. And that was the one thing they were doing well. So now that that is waning, you're pretty much all you do well is, is, is starting to wane and go downhill and get a real dose of reality. Okay, you can't hit. They're pretty much bottom in the league in every offensive category there is, especially with runners in scoring position. Uh, you know, they leave too many runners on. Even today, down 6-2, bases loaded, one out, Judge and LeMahieu couldn't get it done. I don't want to criticize Judge LeMahieu too much because he pretty much was the only source of offense in that entire Red Sox series, this entire weekend series. But couldn't get the job done. Couldn't even didn't even bother swinging the bat. Um, and so even in the game before on Saturday night, four two down um, <clears throat> down a uh, no, down four one in the top of the eighth inning. Bases loaded, two outs. Luke Voigt couldn't get the job done. First and second, two outs, ninth inning, down 4-2. Aaron Judge couldn't get the job done. So they can't hit with runners. So their best strength that has been pitching is waning, and that's going to eventually go back to normal, which is not great for the Yankees. Okay, they can't hit. Okay, they they make too many errors in the field, and Gleyber Torres. And they're stupid on the base paths. The Yankees have had the most runners thrown out, and that's partly because the third base coach, um, Phil Nevin, has been in quarantine for a decent amount of time because yeah because of covid but still so you pretty much don't do any of the simples of baseball you don't do them well 
So how do you expect to make the playoffs and Yankees fans win a World Series? I mean, people say, oh, we started 0-8 against the Red Sox in 9 Yeah, but that's a different team. Like, 0-9 might, you know, 0-9 might, but I don't want to say that, but, you know, just, it, it doesn't work. I mean, it's not 2009, it's 2021. It's it's horrible. And now with this sweep, the Yankees are 40 and 37 on the season. They've dropped to uh they've dropped behind the Blue Jays. They're fourth in the division, six and a half back of Boston. They were three and a half coming into today, uh, into this weekend series. Six and a half now after they'd finally gained some ground on them. And they're five back of the Oakland Athletics for the damn wildcard spot. <sighs> Something's gotta change. I don't know. Is is it um trading Glaber Torres? Do you really want to do that? Because he's been in a slump. Horrible slump. I'm talking horrible slump. Um, is it time we fire Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman? Is it time? Um, people have been calling for Cashman's job for the last couple of years because of his because he's been because he hasn't done anything at the trade deadline. I haven't said much, but maybe it's time for the, both of them to go. Maybe a new voice is needed because I just don't see any urgency in the team. It's the same lackluster performances. I don't see any urgency. I don't know, man. And maybe it is time. You know, and I've been very critical of Aaron Boone. You know, the one thing I always like about Aaron Boone, the one thing I kind of only like about him as a manager is how he sticks up for his players. But a lot of his moves are, have been questionable. Um, I mean, to you got, at some point, I understand Garrett Cole likes catching Kyle Higashioka, and that's who he prefers. But at some point, man, you got to give Gary Sanchez the reins. Okay, I don't care if Garrett Cole likes Kyle Higashioka more. He has caught, Gary Sanchez has caught Garrett Cole a decent amount before, and they are okay together. Give Gary more time in the lineup. Higashioka's been absolutely poop offensively recently. We rode him out for the hot streak. That's fine. You got to stop with this. You can't keep splitting time with Gary Sanchez, who probably could be an all-star catcher. You can't do it. You have to give Gary Sanchez an everyday play. Please. You have to. You have to. I'd also like to see Andujar get more time. Uh, I don't know, why, and not to Rugnet Odor, because Odor has been an absolute disappointment. Uh, I'd like to see more to Andujar, because he's been playing better. But yeah, maybe it is time to fire Cashman, because you also look at the moves he's made in the past. He signed Garrett Cole, obviously, but that was kind of like, that was kind of obvious. But, I mean, what what else is he, in the last couple of years, I mean, he's, Trade, he traded for Sonny Gray. <clears throat> that was horrible. That didn't work out. Uh, picked up Rugnet Odor um, at the halfway point or like, you know, mid in uh, the first, you know, like 25% through the season. That hasn't worked out at all. Um, you traded Adam Ottavino for, uh, for, for money and that hasn't worked out. Ottavino's been great for the Red Sox bullpen. You let Ovaldi go after he, did, after he was going to get Tommy John. And he's been locking us up ever since. So, what, what? What? And also, letting guys like Zach Greinke go to the go to the freaking Astros have not made a move of the trade deadline when we really could have used one. But who knows, man? Even if you make a deal at the trade deadline, what about the other sixty like thousand holes you have to patch up on the roster? Just because the gang is not hitting, Luke Voigt has been. You know, he's, I, I don't want to be too critical on him because he's been injured for most of the season, but you got, Zach Brin also hit the IL. I, I just don't understand what it is with these guys and not staying healthy. 
I just I just don't get it. And it's not like it's you know it's a COVID season because this has been the the case for the last couple of years now. Uh, Luis Severino, he's suffering a setback in his rehab. Brilliant, uh, you know I talked about this last week. Now Corey Kluber is not supposed to be back till at least September. September, you know he had the shoulder injury after throwing the no hitter. It's just it's just everywhere you look, there's really not much to be positive about with this Yankee team, and I'm I'm honestly sick of it. I'm just sick of this Yankee team. I mean, I'm, I'm still going to watch the games, but I feel like gouging my eyes out every time I watch. Even in the Royals, you know, they missed a real opportunity because, I mean, they won two out of three, but they missed the opportunity to sweep the Royals when the, when the Red Sox and Rays were playing together. So you could be five and a half back right now, but it is what it is. But yeah, we'll see. I guess there's still plenty of baseball left, but 0-8 against the Red Sox, struggling against the Rays. Can't win in the division. It's it's a problem. It's a real problem because because if you can't win in the division, what like not winning in the division? That's a real problem as well because you're most likely going to have to play either the Red Sox or the Rays in the wild card game if you don't win the division because they're not winning the division. They're six and a half back, so you most likely have to play the Rays or the Red Sox in the wild card, and just it's just not going to work. Anyway, that's all for this episode of the of the podcast. Thank you, um, thank you all so much for listening, and I'll see you guys next week.